Welcome to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick Podcast. I'm your host, Nina Spears, the Baby Chick, and today's episode, we have Erin Bagwell, a documentary filmmaker, blogger, and new mom. In the summer of 2014, Erin launched a successful Kickstarter campaign, raising over $100,000 in funding to produce her first feature film, Dream Girl. In May 2016, Dream Girl premiered at the White House under the Obama administration. In 2017, Erin was selected to be a part of the American Film Showcase. Through her work with AFS, Erin traveled to Tajikistan, Egypt, and Morocco to screen Dream Girl, led filmmaking workshops, and talked about the importance of representing women's stories in media. In 2018, Erin became a mother and started filming her new documentary, Year One. The film is an intimate look at the first year of motherhood through Erin's eyes. It addresses the identity shifts, the challenges of experiencing postpartum depression, and the everyday extraordinary moments of being a new mom. Year One is out now and available on YouTube. Erin's story has been featured in Forbes, TED, Vogue, and the Washington Post, and she was named one of Oprah's Super Soul 100, a list of featuring extraordinary individuals that live life intentionally, create social impact, and bring inspiration to others. Erin was also featured in Apple's Behind the Mac campaign, highlighting some of the most creative people in Brooklyn. After living in Brooklyn for 10 years, Erin, Sal, and Ginny, her daughter, moved to Buffalo during the pandemic to experience the joy of having a yard and living near more family. We love how Erin's latest film, Year One, really shows the significance of maternal mental health and motherhood. Having experienced postpartum depression herself, we're grateful that she's here to talk with us today about her experience, answer our questions, and share her thoughts on this important topic. Let's welcome Erin. Hi, Erin. Thank you so much for joining us today on our podcast to talk to us about such an important topic, maternal mental health. Absolutely, Nina. Thanks for having me. Of course. We know that in many countries, as many as one in five mothers, new mothers experience some type of perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, PMADs. And these illnesses frequently go unnoticed and untreated, which can potentially lead to tragic and long-term consequences to both mother and child. And this is why we're just so grateful to have you here to answer common questions and to share your personal experience with our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to share. Of course. So Erin, let's just start from the very beginning for listeners who don't even know what that is. Explain to us what is like maternal mental health? What is that? I mean, maternal mental health is just taking a look at the snapshot of a mother's experience. You know, I think in our culture, we have such a kind of, we're really obsessed with the finish line, you know, with the goal, with the end game, with the postpartum body. And I think, you know, understanding maternal mental health as something that is in development constantly as you become a mother. I like to say, you know, I produced my documentary because you're one, because I wanted women to know that motherhood was a dress that needed to be altered. It could, it might not fit right away. I mean, motherhood isn't kind of a glove you slip on and it, it fits perfect. And I think when we talk about maternal mental health, it's all these different dynamics of identity of, you know, actual mental health symptoms like depression, anxiety, OCD. But it's really taking a look at how the mother is doing, because I think we have such an emphasis on pregnancy, on like the joy of, of taking care of the mother. And then once the baby comes, I feel like that support isn't always there. So it's important that women check in with themselves and that their communities know to check in with them as well. 
I couldn't agree more. I, I believe so wholeheartedly that families or women really focus on their pregnancy and birth, but they don't really pay attention to as much on life with baby and what that might look like and having those resources lined up. And as a postpartum doula, I've been helping moms for the past 10 years and I've been into so many homes and seen how different women kind of adjust to this new role in life. And you're so right. It's not a glove that necessarily will fit perfectly. Sometimes it does, but sometimes it's just, like you said, altering it. And that's such a a great analogy. I love that. For you, Erin, what are the different, can you explain to us, what are the different maternal mental health mood disorders? Because I think everyone hears so much about postpartum depression, but there's more than that. Can you explain to us what those are? Yeah, sure. So also just to caveat, I'm not a a medical professional, so I'm just speaking uh, with my experience and my research. But I think it's great that we're calling it PMADS now because there's an emphasis on it happening perinatal, which is when you're pregnant, or postpartum. And I think a lot of women don't even know that they can have some of these things while they're pregnant, which is really important to just keep an eye on. But the PMADS can encompass depression, as you said. It can be anxiety. It can be OCD. It can be psychosis. So there's a different array of of mental health instances that women might come upon during their motherhood journey. Yeah, I agree. And now a new one that's even coming up is post-traumatic stress disorder from all of that, which is, you know, it's now getting a little bit more attention too. And people don't even realize that these are things that can happen after postpartum or after, you know, pregnancy and birth. So yeah, I think I'm really glad that more people are sharing their stories and just like you, because women can be like, oh my gosh, I, I'm not alone. I'm not the only one who felt these things or thought thought these crazy thoughts. So yeah, and I will say pandemic mothers, we know the statistic about one in five might experience PMADS, but women during the pandemic who've given birth are um, 70% likely to feel symptoms of anxiety or depression. You know, I think I was just chatting with a girlfriend earlier and I was like, you know, we're still in a pandemic, you know, we're still feeling the stress of life getting back to normal and, and managing that and, and figuring that out. So I would also say if you're a new mother right now that, you know, to be extra kind to yourself, because, you know, we're still in a, a global tragedy. I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. So Aaron, for you, th- maybe your signs and symptoms would look differently. And I'm so glad that you stated that before. So, but could you tell us just general, like what are some of the common signs and symptoms to look for when it comes to these perinatal or postpartum mood disorders? Yeah, definitely. So some of the general ones, you know, for depression, if you're crying at least once a day, if you feel sad, you know, most or all the time, if you feel like it might feel this way forever, you know, if you're having thoughts that your children might be better off without you, or you might be better off, you know, not existing, having suicidal thoughts, um, that's a, a lot of bells should ring for depression. For anxiety, it's actually a lot of physical symptoms, not being able to catch your breath, having stomach pains, hot flashes, chills, feeling like you're having a heart attack and kind of being afraid to leave your house and things like that. I will also say as somebody who's had depression since she was in high school, you know, my depressive symptoms as a postpartum mother were totally different than I had experienced in my life. So I actually had a really memorable conversation with my husband where I was feeling really overwhelmed, but I kept telling him I don't have postpartum depression. I know what it feels like to be depressed. This isn't it. And I think as a new parent, as a first-time parent, 
you have no idea what to expect. You don't know how sleep deprivation is going to affect your body. You don't know how it's going to feel. You don't know how your hormones are going to regulate. So I would also be thoughtful of of people who might have struggled with these mental health instances before to also examine kind of, are things okay? I mean, I think at the end of the day, we have to feel in our bodies and our guts that something is off, right? Something that just doesn't feel right. And that was what kept coming up for me is, you know, I did have that feeling of like, am I going to feel this way forever? You know, my life is over and feeling really overwhelmed and underwater. So, you know, if you're not feeling like yourself, I think that's the biggest red flag to look out for. I appreciate you saying that because you're so right. It's kind of all over the board. Like those symptoms that you said, those are like, you know, common things to look for. But for someone, it could it could look completely different. And I thank you for sharing your story about, you know, experiencing depression even as early as, you know, high school and realizing that even those two experiences were so different. I think that's really important for people to be like, you know what, I'm not enjoying the things that I used to. I'm not feeling the same way that I did before. Something is off and and talking to someone about that. So Erin, what are the risk factors for those mood disorders during and after pregnancy? I mean, I think the biggest risk obviously is, you know, the mental health of the mother. There's a common misconception, actually, that postpartum depression leads often leads to suicide, which is actually not true. Mothers definitely, when they have postpartum depression, and myself included, have suicidal thoughts. But you really don't actually cross that boundary unless you have postpartum psychosis. And psychosis is a diagnosis which basically you're out of touch with reality There's a heavy paranoia that sets in and you're not able to kind of distinguish between reality and the fantasies that are playing out in your head. So psychosis is like one in a thousand women. It's truly very rare. But again, the risk of, you know, we want mothers to get help at any stage because um, PMADs are actually all treatable through through proper care. And uh, yeah, I think the major risk is, you know, obviously, you know, protecting the mother, making sure the mother is safe and well and healthy and alive at the end of the day, you know, and then also reconnecting that bond. You know, I think the faster you can get help, the faster you can seek treatment, seek support, you know, the faster you can kind of reconnect your bond with baby, which, you know, is also crucial. Yes. And another thing to even add to that is also the child, because they think, oh, if it's suicidal thoughts, you know, for yourself, but kind of like that uh, story, Andrea Yates, do you remember that all happening? It was a new mother. uh, She just given birth to her fourth child. And lo and behold, she actually had uh, postpartum psychosis. She thought that the devil was telling her to, you know, kill her, her children. That's the only way she would be able to save them. And so even thought of hurting your child, not just yourself, uh, for psychosis too. Yes, absolutely. I'm sorry. And that's what I was was meaning to say is psychosis is when you think about not only self-harm, but harming your child. Um, Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so glad that you mentioned that that's something that's very rare, thankfully, but it does happen. So if you're feeling, like you said, out of touch with reality, hearing sometimes voices, being told to do things, to seek some help, which I'm also glad that you talked about treatments because that's going to be one of my next questions coming up. But also, Erin, what was your experience like after having your daughter? You've shared with us that you had postpartum depression, but can you kind of share a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So I was 
very excited to be a new mom. My first baby was over the moon about getting pregnant and was really excited about the journey and, you know, the new beginning. And I had a very kind of crazy hospital experience, I think, which often sets mothers up for, you know, having some traumatic experiences. My hospital didn't have water, running water, so I couldn't shower, wash my hands, wash my face. My daughter had a bit of jaundice, so we were in the hospital a very long time. It felt like being in the airport for like three days. And I struggled a lot with breastfeeding. I My daughter has a very strong jaw. And so the excruciating pain of breastfeeding was really, really challenging. And I remember in those first few days thinking like, I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> this is not for me. This is horrible. And I, I have realized it um, recently, but my relationship to sleep and mental health go hand in hand. So if I'm not getting you know, a good chunk of sleep, I'm a totally different person. And so the sleep deprivation was a real challenge for my body, you know, for my mind. And um, I didn't, as I said about that conversation at the kitchen table, I, I didn't think I had depression because in my mind, depression was sleeping all day. It's a sense of lethargic. It's a um, you know, you're kind of allowed to be alone with your thoughts. And I just didn't have that experience caring for a newborn. So, you know, kind of trudging along, feeling like something wasn't right, but also not sure if maybe this was just the first few months, you know, not really knowing what to expect. And I started really doubting my ability to be a mother and doubting my ability to be the best parent for my daughter and really thinking like she's going to be better off if I'm not here and I'm doing a terrible job and I'm crying all the time. And I felt really like I was at war with myself. And I think it's also coupled with this feeling of shame of not being able to live up to everyone's expectations of how joyful you know, this moment is. I say in my documentary, everyone told me to enjoy every moment you know, which made me feel like I was already failing. And so I had one really dark afternoon. My daughter, who never really slept ever, took like a two-hour nap. And I think she was about two and a half months. And it was one of those naps where, you know, you think you have five minutes and then you end up having like two hours to yourself and you're just kind of like moseying around and I felt like it was the first time I was really able to unpack emotionally how I was feeling. And it almost was like a tidal wave of just like processing how awful I felt. And I was already having suicidal thoughts and was kind of at this reckoning place of, should I do something about it? Where am I at emotionally? Do I want to keep continuing if, if this is what my life is going to be like? And just feeling an immense darkness that is really hard to articulate and, you know, coupled with sobs and, and just kind of feeling really emotionally low. So thankfully, after kind of having that internal conversation and, and really thinking about it, I got the courage to text my husband and I said, you know, I'm not feeling good. I don't even know if I told him I was suicidal, honestly. I, I'm, I just said, I'm sobbing on the floor. I can't stop. I need help. You have to come home. Or he said he'd come home or somehow he managed to come home from work and, and be with me that day and, and really just 
kind of be there. But that moment and, and reaching out to him really marked a change in the way I viewed my postpartum depression. A, I named it. I said, okay, something's wrong. This is horrible. I never want to feel like this again. And, you know, what do we do about it? You know, I, I want to live. I want to be a great mother. I want to be here for my family. And, you know, what do we do now? And that was really when I said, um, I got to get help and we got to figure out what's going to work. How strong and brave of you to pick up your phone in that like state of mind and reach out for help. I'm so glad that you did that. And I think that you're so right. It's coupled with like feeling a failure, like I'm not, I'm incapable of doing this or I failed as a mom because I'm not feeling the way these other moms are saying they're supposed to be feeling and, and shame of like, oh, if I admit this out loud, like then I'm admitting there's something wrong with me. And it's so untrue. It's so untrue. And I'm really, really glad that, you know, your husband was able to come over and help you and that you recognize like, okay, I need to name it and I need to do something about it and get that help. Can you tell us like what help did you from that moment like what did you do the first thing I did was I found an individual therapist to work with I will say I kind of bounced around a little bit and I recommend that women who are experiencing some form of PMADS to find somebody who has actual experience with those mental health qualities because I did in fact sit in front of a therapist who told me that this was just part of motherhood <laughs> who didn't properly diagnose me and led me astray. And I later found out through a friend that therapists are not trained in PMADS. They don't have to be, so they can often miss some of the symptoms and signs. So um, make sure you are connected to either an organization or a therapist that does specialize in new motherhood. And then the other thing I did that really, I think, saved my life was I joined this mother circle, and it was women who had PMADS, and we met I did it for 12 weeks and it was once a week and we would get together in the evening in like this little yoga studio in Brooklyn when we could all be together back in the day. It was incredible because we would share our stories, we would talk about things that were bothering us or things that were coming up, but you know, it took me a long time to be able to be honest about my suicidal thoughts or some of the things that I was feeling and thinking, but you know, the other women in the room would say things that I was too afraid to say. And we were able to talk about it and work through it and kind of, you know, get rid of the the shame around feeling like you're the only one in the world who's experiencing it. So that was amazing. And then the woman who led the group, the licensed therapist that led the group, Melissa also fostered this environment of encouragement. So somebody would say something and you know, you'd be really down on yourself about something and then somebody else would chime in and say, I think you were doing a great job. And in that moment, you were doing the best you could do. And I think to have that sisterhood, to be able to carry your stories together was life-changing. And I think it gave me a lot of permission to just accept what I was experiencing, you know, to be okay with it, to let it go in some instances and to really grow and learn from it. 
I wish that there was that resource for every single city and town for moms because it's it happens these thoughts and and experiences happen to more women than I think is even reported because people I don't think are reporting necessarily how they're not everyone is reporting how they're feeling so I'm so glad that that was available to you because it's I think it is empowering to realize oh my gosh this woman who's sitting next to me is thinking the same things I'm thinking and feeling the same things I'm feeling and and it's okay to talk about it and for us to work through this. I, that's beautiful. I love that. I was going to ask now, Erin, you created this amazing documentary, Year One. Is this obviously like what inspired you to create this film? Tell us about that. Yeah, so I am a filmmaker, and I've always been really inspired by motherhood stories and interested in kind of the narrative of motherhood and and how one becomes a mother and what it feels like. And I really started out, you know, sh- just shooting footage of my daughter and I for fun. You know, I'm up do some blogging, and I thought, you know, maybe we'll use it here or there, or, you know, take a snapshot of it. But I noticed when my friend Mary, who shoots for me, came over, I had a lot of notes about things I wanted to just share about the experience. So I'd have a little notepad and I'd say, you know, I want to talk about postpartum rage. I want to talk about none of my clothes fitting, my wedding ring not fitting anymore. I want to talk about, you know, what it feels like to have my partner go back to work and how isolating that is. And so I just kind of, I wanted to vent to her because I think as an artist, I wanted to document how it felt so that maybe I could use it for something down the line. And then my daughter started crawling and I was in such a different place with her and I was in such a different place with me. And I was like, wouldn't it be interesting if she came back and we could kind of, you know, maybe document and figure out like this whole year and like the progression of what it is like to kind of become a mother. And so I kind of did like a little rough cut for myself and shared it with a friend who's a producer and my writing partner. And so what do you guys think of this? Does this feel like something? And it just kind of evolved from there. And the film really was truly supposed to be about the first year of motherhood. And then I didn't quite realize until later on into the journey that I had postpartum depression. And then the film becomes about how do we heal from postpartum depression? How do we acknowledge it? How do we name that, you know, having depression doesn't make me a bad mom, it makes me a great mom. And so, you know, it becomes a little bit more interesting with that aspect as well. It is. I think that so many women who watch that, even if they didn't, like, I have had depression as a young child, actually. I was like in middle school. But fortunately, I haven't had, I've had two babies and I haven't experienced postpartum depression. But just watching your film, I could, I still had some of those, you know, they quote, scary thoughts, even though I didn't, I know I didn't have uh, clinical depression. But even in those tiring moments when you're waking up 12 times in the middle of the night with your baby, you have those thoughts. And I think that it's just so encouraging and reassuring that, oh gosh, I'm not the only one in the world who feels that way. So I think your story and your film, yes, it'll touch women who have experienced those things, but also women who haven't had a postpartum depression, but still have those kind of thoughts. I absolutely was moved by it. So I'm so glad that you created it. Erin, I think mothers really also want to know when you, when obviously answer this to your personal experience, but 
if they have postpartum depression or anxiety, can it affect their baby? This is such a tricky question. And I actually, when I saw that this was a question you wanted to talk about, I actually reached out to two therapists (laughs) to get their expertise because it's a very complicated answer and there's not been great research that's been done about this. You know, what I will say is because it's so nuanced to everyone's personal experience and kind of their relationship, and it really goes back to kind of how fast you can kind of correct the bonding, basically, you know, being able to follow your baby's cues and things like that. Um, But the main thing that I learned from talking to these um, two PMAT therapists is that, you know, finding your mental health sooner rather than later is paramount. You know, I've talked to friends who have had PMADs for over a year. You know, it can last up to three years. And I think when you look at those numbers, you know, it can be more detrimental to your relationship with your baby and to baby's development. You know, but that being said, I even feel a caveat of, you know, we don't know how high functioning someone is and their, you know, depression or anxiety. So every case is totally different. But I will say, you know, if people are worried about it, I mean, that's another great way to advocate for yourself is to think about your relationship with your child. You know, we all want what's best for them. You know, what's best for them is for you to get mentally healthy. Absolutely. And I think that's when you actually are putting it into perspective for your child, that means you're heading in the right direction of hopefully getting some help for yourself. Because I think women are like, but it's just me that's suffering, my child's not. But then they're thinking, oh, wait, is this affecting my child? And if it is, I I really need to do something about this because I don't want to, you know, cause trauma or whatever it is to the child. So that was really helpful. Thank you. Another question that mothers want to know, can they prevent depression or anxiety from happening during their pregnancy or after birth? I mean, I'd like to know that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right? You know, I I feel like this is also kind of a sticky conversation because when I think about kind of the mental health support that I set up for myself before I had my first, I really thought I was in a great place and I felt like my communication with my partner was good. You know, I had a therapist at the time I really loved. I had joined this kind of bigger Brooklyn mothers group. So you know, I hesitate to say that you can kind of like bulletproof yourself from the shift in hormones because there's so much about mental health we don't really know, you know, but I will say trying to, you know, stack your deck to have as much support as possible. I had a conversation with a friend earlier today and we were talking about this myth of motherhood in that there's, we, you know, we love this, I think, especially in America, clinging to this idea that the mother can do it all. And I think the more we can kind of release some of our expectations, some of our our roles, honestly, of, of doing it all, I think that's where we, we set ourselves up for success. There was a, I wish I could remember the exact country, I think it was in West Africa, where, you know, it had one of those incredible postpartum stories where the village comes together, the family moves in, you know, they do all the cooking and cleaning, you know, yada, yada, yada. It's a whole village experience. And there are zero instances of postpartum PMADs in that area. And I think that says a lot. I think we, you know, as our culture has kind of individualized our experiences, um, we really need to look at that. And I think the more support you can get, the better. Ah, I absolutely agree. I love that. And setting up, and I appreciate that you even said like, 
if you maybe had depression in your past, I know that they've said that you may be more susceptible to having postpartum depression. So lining up that help, finding those professionals who are experienced in PMADS, just having, just knowing where they're located. And if you need that help, you don't have to do the research while you're in kind of that dark space, I think is is so helpful too. And but also not beating yourself up if it happens. You know, Atlantis Morissette has had it three times with all three of her children. And I'm sure she has all the resources in the world. You know, I think sometimes our bodies chemically and hormonally are just, you know, it happens. And I think also just holding space for, because I, I think there is a little bit of element of blame sometimes I can certainly feel where women are like, well, can you prevent it? And if you would have done this, and I've had friends who say, you know, oh, yeah, I would have gotten it, but I did this and I had childcare. And it's like, well, is that really, you know, the solution? I, I don't know. It's so true. You're, you're absolutely right. But I think, like you said, just stacking your cards of like as much support as possible, whether you have it or not, I think whether you have it or not, every woman, every new mother deserves that type of support. That's what we should all strive for. And you mentioned earlier, Erin, that these are treatable disorders. Um, So can you tell us what are the different treatments that are available? Well, I think it depends on your personal journey with mental health, but having a licensed therapist who knows about your specific disorder, so whether it's anxiety or OCD or depression, you know, having somebody walk you through that, you know, for me, community is a huge part of the way I feel seen and heard. So, you know, for me, being able to join the mother circle, being able to hear other women's experiences, that was very healing. Also making my documentary year one, art is a huge part of the way I view the world. And I credit the film with doing a lot of heavy lifting <laughs> and being able to process and write and and share that story. So, you know, I think there's so many different ways to heal, um, making sure you have a medical professional licensed therapist to, to help you on that journey is paramount, right? They're going to give you the tools and the steps and the language to get through that. But then, you know, however you, you know, want to manifest healing in other ways through your life, I think that's a personal decision. But I will say, you know, throw everything at it, you know, try it all, do it all, you know, see what feels good and, and what's staying with you now and and how it transitions. I love that because I think everyone just thinks, oh, there's talk therapy and medication, but there's so much more to that. So, and sharing like for you, art and community and all of that uh, really helped you through your experience. I think that that can be really helpful and enlightening for people to be like, okay, it's not just this. I need to seek other ways that really fulfill me and make me feel whole and like myself again. So that's, that's awesome. So what else can mothers do that you recommend besides, well, and besides these treatments, you said, Um, art, you said, name some of those things if you can. Yeah, I mean, art, I think community, I think also, you know, finding for me, I'm I'm really into media. So finding media that's going to speak on your level, you know, conversations like this podcast, you know, films like mine, year one that are going to really give you a realistic view of motherhood. And then this is kind of just something that popped into my brain. But You know, I think we don't realize how much of our social media diet affects our mental health. I was thinking the same thing. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Yeah. And so just being mindful of who you're following and what messages you're getting. And, you know, I think especially as a new parent, you know, I still scroll through people's Instagrams and I'm like, you know, 
how are you awake right now? You know, you have a three month old. How are you functioning? Like, look at you. Like, you know, I think there is, you know, we're not often getting like the full spectrum story, right? So just be thoughtful of, of judging yourself against, you know, someone else's experience. Again, I, I'm so glad that you mentioned that because it's so true. I think social media plays a huge part in our lives today. And you were always seeing the highlight reel. But you're right. I woke up seven, eight times last night with my three-month-old. She's in the, that leap four, four-month sleep regression. And it is kicking my butt, y'all. <laughs> I'm losing my voice and all of that. And and I, you know, we try to show the real sides of motherhood, not just like the, the happy, giggly, rolling over, you know, meeting milestones moments, but also like, ah, oh, this is tough, you know, the, the hard moments and yeah, making sure that the, who you're following and who's putting your focus and attention on is actually encouraging you and, and making you feel less alone and feeling heard and feeling, yeah, like what you're going through is is normal rather than like, oh my gosh, this woman has it all together, has, you know, everything perfectly lined up because that's, and maybe that is her reality, but for, for the majority of us, it's not. You don't so. need to take it in and, and process that and judge yourself to it. The other thing that has popped into my head is I definitely would not be able to survive without my mother would not have been able to survive my motherhood journey without my two girlfriends, Molly and Alex, who I'm on a text thread with morning, noon, night, you know, those midnight feedings like constantly. And I would also say I'm, I'm always asking, you know, new moms or pregnant moms, like, do you have a friend like who has a baby around the same age as you? Like, can you get on a WhatsApp group or can you find like a little community? Because I think even just to know like what your baby's doing is normal or not normal as a first-time parent is so important. And then also just to be able to vent about some of those things that, you know, maybe your partner, you know, isn't getting and, you know, his breasts aren't leaking and, you know, all these different things. Sometimes you just need to chat with other mothers. So I would say kind of finding some kind of community like that is, is really paramount too. I agree. And finding people who are in that same stage as you, because maybe if they're like, you know, the baby is two years old, they may have forgotten what those moments really felt like rather than having someone who has maybe like a month difference in age being like, oh, yes, girl, I'm in the in the trenches with you. That can be really reaffirming. So Erin, what advice do you have for mothers on managing their mental health after having a baby? I would just say, you know, to make it a priority. I think it's so hard as a new parent to like to get any of your bearings. And, you know, I remember reading something that was like, the only thing you need to do in the first two months that your baby is born is like brush your teeth every day. And so I think when you're kind of managing, you know, kind of this whole new world, it can feel really hard to make space for yourself. And I think it's kind of designed like that, right? I think nature has forced us to kind of like buckle in and, and recognize this new life and be there. And, but I think being able to, you know, have your partner keep you accountable, say, you know, I'm going to go to therapy, you know, once a week or however feels right. I mean, just kind of making some kind of plan. And if you can do that before you have a baby, even better, because then it's already in the calendar. You know, I remember I had scheduled a haircut for myself like two months postpartum. I don't know what I was thinking, but I was like, I'm not going to go like I'm not leaving the baby. I, my mom like pushed me out the door and she was like, just do it. And so kind of having those people who are going to support you and, and keep you to the calendar 
Also, these podcasters I really love, June Diane Raphael and Paul Shear, have written these little like note cards for themselves about their partner's wants or needs, which I thought was very sweet. So like, you know, June's favorite drink at Starbucks or like, what are the nice things you can do for your partner? And I especially think that husbands should have a list like this, that they can be at the ready to support you know, this new transitional mom. So that would be, you know, a fun thing you can do with your partner is say, okay, here, if I'm in a low moment, if I woke up eight times last night, you know, here's what you can do today to support me. Such a great tip. And speaking of partners, Erin, if you and your partner were to decide to have another child, what would you do the next time? How would you prepare? Yeah, I mean... How would I prepare? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I definitely, we, we want to have more children in our family. I, I would love one more. You know, it's interesting. I've thought a lot about this because I think there is a lot of pressure on, you know, did I heal my postpartum? Like, would it come back? Could I survive that again? You know, and I think for me, it's about just accepting what comes and being okay with it. I know I can survive it. I know I've done it before, and I'm so privileged that I now have the resources and the communities and the therapist numbers to call when I'm feeling that way. So I feel like I have a huge advantage this time around of, of just having those people in my corner, you know, and then also not feeling shame about it. You know, it's it's a huge part of my motherhood story, and... But I wouldn't say it, like, defines my whole experience, you know. And I've learned so much from it. And I'm actually, like, the happiest I've ever been in my life. And I think that's because I've had to go through something really hard. And now I get to be on the other side of it. And so I think just knowing in my gut that if something hard comes again, you know, I'll be able to, you know, hopefully see it through. And that's something that I would want to tell you. I'd be like, you've done this before. If it happens again, you can totally do it again. And you've already done all the hard work of finding these resources and these groups of women and and your friends. And and they also know to check in with you more. Now that you're, you know, you would be planning for another baby, they'd be like, oh, we have to check in on Erin. We need to make sure she's got this all lined up and that, you know, we're helping any way that we can. So But yeah, I just always like to ask them that. And with that, you know, what advice do you have for mothers? Like, what do you want them to know? Like, what do you wish you would have known before you had your daughter? Well, I think it's important for parents to realize that there's highs and lows. You know, we hear the enjoy every minute, but, you know, how about hearing like it gets better and better and better? I think just knowing that, you know, you might have uncomfortable feelings, You might feel disappointed some days. You might feel bored some days. And all of those things are okay. I think parenthood doesn't have to be this, like, glowing sunshine, you know, of sparkles and angels all day. I think just knowing and setting yourself up for, you know, a realistic expectation that, like, with everything, there's going to be, you know, hills and valleys. And then, you know, specifically, I would love to address, like, any women who are struggling right now with PMADS. To just know that they are warriors, that to be able to go through something like that, to be able to take care of your baby while you're struggling with something that you have no experience with is heroic. It's horrible. 
but it does get better and it doesn't have to be like this. You know, there is that light on the other side of the tunnel. And when you get through this, when you make it through, when you can see and step back, you're going to look back and go, oh my God, look what I did and look what I survived. I mean, I truly had no idea how hard it was and how hard my experience was until I got out of it and was able to really look back and see, oh my God, I, I, I can't even believe it. And I don't think we know that burden that's on our shoulders until we let it go. So I just want people to know I'm thinking of them, I'm here for them, that they can absolutely get through and, and that it doesn't have to be like this. You're not alone. And thank you so much for saying that and sharing that. That's, I think, what every mother wants to hear, especially during those those hard times. And for those mothers, Erin, what, what resources do you recommend that families look into? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, one of the things that COVID has done is has provided so many incredible digital resources. And I would definitely recommend people look kind of locally within their communities to see what um, PMADs, you know, if there are any circles or communities or things like that. But I actually have a link on my website of some of my favorite resources. So if you go to Erin slash bagwell.com slash help, I share some of my favorite resources. I share the Motherhood Center, which is an in-person day clinic. They do digital events also. I share the Brooklyn PPD support, which was my biweekly mother circle meetups, and they do all of those digitally. There's an incredible organization called She Matters, which focuses on the maternal mental health of black women. You know, sometimes it's really hard for women of color to find the right therapists and resources to know their special instances. So that's an incredible organization. I've also linked some media resources, some Instagram accounts that I think are really positive, and um, even some kids shows. So if people want to check that out, that's a great place to go. Oh, fantastic. We'll definitely be linking that in our show notes so that all of our listeners can easily find those resources. That's fantastic. And Erin, you know, any final thoughts or words of advice for our listeners or tell us more about your documentary? We want to hear, you know, what you think. Yeah, for sure. So if people want to watch year one, they can go to watchyearone.com. It's a 30-minute film about the first year of motherhood. I talk about identity, postpartum depression, you know, all the feels and things that we talked about, all the nuances of becoming a new mom. Yeah, it's a 30-minute film. You can watch it, you know, during nap time. I've had women say that they watched it in 10-minute increments or you know, they watched it at bedtime. So I definitely encourage people to check out the film and see if it resonates with them and and let me know what they think. And any words of advice for our moms? Any final words? I wish I had, you know, great advice for moms. I think the only thing that I know to be true about motherhood is that it's constantly changing. You know, my relationship to my daughter shifts every day. My, my confidence with myself shifts. You know, Motherly did um, a great study that shows that new moms get confidence around six months. That's when they start feeling kind of in their groove of their motherhoods, which is an important thing to note, you know, that things are going to you know, get better if you're a new mom, but also that they're constantly in flux. So, you know, I think mothers are incredible. I still can't believe we can just bring life into the world. It's so amazing and awe-inspiring. And, um, 
you're doing a great job. That's what I want to say. Here, here. I agree <laughs> to that. Okay, Erin, so where can our listeners find you? Yeah, I um, live on Instagram mostly at Erin.Bagwell, and um, people can follow Year One at Year One Film. And yeah, that's where I'll be. Amazing. Awesome. Thank you so much again, Erin. This has been just really helpful and inspiring to hear your story and your advice. So thank you again for your time. Absolutely. Thanks, Nina. Of course. And for our listeners out there to learn more about Erin, as she said, visit her on Instagram at erin.bagwell and also sign up for her newsletter to get updates on her being an artist and mother. Our team will be posting today's episode on Baby Chick's Facebook page. So if you have any questions or comments about mental health, please share them with us in the comments section. And as always, if you haven't already, please subscribe to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. Cheers to happier and healthier motherhood.